Well, good morning, New Life Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. If you're a member of this church or just a visitor that stumbled, um, stumbled into this place, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad that we get to listen to God's Word together. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your blessing and your grace this very morning as we open your book and hear your words. Use our time to speak to us the words of grace. Use my mouth as I preach. Use our ears as we listen. Align our hearts with the heart of this psalm. Holy Spirit, we need you for that work. Please help us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Every evening, as we put our boys to bed, my wife and I sing them an ancient song, 3,500 years old, in fact, a song of blessing, a prayer requesting that God would be gracious to them, that he would be in relationship with them. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace forever. Perhaps you've heard a newer version of that that song reiterating that prayer, reiterating the desire for blessing. We have seen the Zoom versions with church leaders singing it over their people from England to South Africa. It has become for some their quarantine song, the song that will be forever attached in their memory to this time and this predicament. This morning, we hear from the psalm book a reiteration of that ancient song. A prayer to be sung corporately, the results of which are global. Let's lean into this prayer and have it be our prayer. Let's loosen our vocal cords and let this be our song. And the song says, God bless us, and may the result be the salvation of the nations. God bless us, and let the result be the salvation of the nations. In Psalm 67, to the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Here are the parameters in the arrangement. It is for the choir master to conduct. It will be accompanied by stringed instruments. It will be a psalm. It will be a song. Let's sing along. The song proceeds in three parts. A request for blessing, results of that blessing, and the extent of that blessing. In verse 1, May God be gracious to us, and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. The words at the beginning of this song would hit the ears of the original listeners, the original singers with memory or nostalgia. Not unlike how my boys will likely remember my singing to them when they're older. You see, even for the people who first sang this Psalm 67, who first handed the music to the choir master and tuned up their stringed instruments, This song is an old song and a beloved blessing. The beginning of this book, the Bible tells of the creation of man and woman. God created people after his own image, in his reflection, setting them in a garden to be in relationship with him. They quickly and tragically distrusted God. 
and his designs and relationship with God and man was broken. Evil and brokenness abound on the earth. Rebellion and sin propagate. But God, from the very beginning, has been on a mission of remedy, in a posture of rescue. Throughout the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of this book, people are working against God to make a name for themselves instead of a desiring, desiring connection with God. And God steps in and grabs an Iraqi, a man out of modern-day Iraq, a man named Abraham, and says to him, From your offspring, all nations will be blessed. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And this man, Abraham, this childless man, this childless old man, and his old wife witness a miracle when they have a child. And that child has a child, and that child has 12 children, and eventually the great-grandkids of Abraham find themselves in great number, but in great peril, sitting in Egypt. Not as a blessing nation of other nations, but as a family of slaves. And their song, the song that they sing, is one of longing for rescue. And God hears their groaning. And with Moses as his mouthpiece, he says, Let my people go. And with power and victory and resilience, God rescues his people and takes them to a land where they can be his people and he will be their God. And on the way, the Lord gives instruction to Moses for the priests, the ones who would span relationship between God and people. We read in number 6, verse 22, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Aaron speaks truth over them. The Lord, Yahweh, the creating God, the rescuing God, may he bless you and keep you. May he give you goodness and provision, help and protection. And may he keep you, hold his promises tightly and surely that you will be his people and he will be your God. May he make his face to shine upon you. You have felt the pain of someone turning their back on you. And you have felt the warmth and comfort of someone who cares as they look at you. This requires relationship and connection. And this blessing points to that relationship. May the Creator God and the rescuing God turn His face to look at you. May His face shine upon you. May you be close enough to Yahweh that you can feel the light of relationship with Him. And may the Lord be gracious to you, favor and goodness, undeserved kindness. May you find favor in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. May God move for you. May God act for you. And again, the language of looking and seeing you and your plight and desiring to be in relationship with you. And Aaron says, and give you peace. This is not merely absence of war. This is peace in Hebrew, shalom. The Hebrew idea of all as it is meant to be at proper and good rest and in right relationship. The world has not known complete shalom since the breaking in the garden. 
And the world will, no, will, will know complete shalom when the King, the Lord, initiates His total and complete rule and care. This is a blessing, a prayer that your life would know shalom, that the people of Israel would know shalom. And in totality, this blessing is how you take on the name of the Lord. Aaron says those words and in essence seals the idea that Yahweh is their God and He will be their God and they will be His people. They desire to be connected to Him and in relationship with Him and He desires to be in relationship with them. That is why one of the commandments is to not take the name of the Lord in vain. That is not speaking against swearing or using God's name as a swear word, though that is uncautionable. But instead, do not lightly or flippantly attach yourself to the name of God, to the name of Yahweh, the powerful, saving God. This is serious. This is weighty. They will be His people and He will be their God. They identify themselves with the saving power of Yahweh. I'm not certain about how Aaron's blessing was told, but often blessings in Hebrew are sung. You may have heard the ancient rhythms of blessing in the singing of a rabbi. Spoken or sung, wouldn't this be a wonderful thing to have proclaimed over you? This blessing encompasses all you could want for someone. All that is good and right and true. It remedies all the ills. There is comfort here. I want this blessing. You want this blessing. And now we go back to our song, and this is what would be ringing. All that history is what would be ringing in their ears as they sang. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Notice the change. This is not a second person blessing sung over someone else, but a song the singers can use to ask the Lord for his blessing. As though to say, we remember when the priest sang this over us. We remember those who cared for us singing this over us. But now we take ownership. We will take the name of the Lord on ourselves. Ask him directly to be gracious to us, to bless us, to show us favor, to have relationship with us. We want to be close to God. Selah. Pause. Perhaps a musical interlude plays. The singers of this song request a blessing. They desire to be connected to God, to have the name of God on them, to be in relationship with Him, and they are asking for a blessing. And friends, it is good and right to ask for a blessing. There are several objections to this thought. Perhaps your heart says, I don't deserve a blessing. I have not earned anything, so I should not be asking for something like that. Friends, this is the definition of grace. We are appealing to a gracious God to be gracious to us. It is in His character to bless and be gracious. This is not an appeal that lists my accomplishments and then demands rightful compensation. This is an appeal to the character of a good God responding to the promises of a covenant-making, promise-making God. And in response is saying, I want to be connected to you. Or perhaps another objection. You think it is better to not ask for anything because there is inherent value or virtue in lack rather than abundance. Friends, you can have broken relationship with God with little or with everything. 
You can be a rebel in poverty or in wealth. The lack of bills in your wallet does not signify a virtue on your part, nor does its fullness guarantee your connection with God. The prayer for blessing, the prayer asks for blessing and grace in connection with relationship. These blessings are not asked for with a posture that places the blessings above, above the relationship with God. They are necessarily attached in this request. I do not want connection with God in order to get his stuff. I want his face to shine upon me. I want his shalom. I want his work at setting things as they ought to be. I want that work to be evident in my life. And that is a blessing. So can blessing be wealth or material gain? Yes. Can it be advantage or skill, competence or relationships or favor with others? Yes. Can it be opportunity or influence? Yes. God can and does bless with a variety of goodness. And when it is connected with his face shining upon you, it is goodness and a way of participating in the shalom that we all long for. And these blessings are not being asked for so they can be enjoyed or dispensed in isolation away from everyone else. Blessings should not terminate on you. And the writer of this song is firmly rooted in the promise God made to his people. Through you, all nations will be blessed. And that is where the song continues, to the result of the blessing. After the musical pause, the Selah, it goes like this. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Be gracious to us. Bless us. Make your face shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on earth. We desire to see all the nations blessed. This idea of way is more than direction. This is a mode of living and a relational connection with God. They desire to see his way known on the earth because they want to see blessing and grace and relationship so that there are representatives of that kind of connection with God on the earth. God is the creator of the earth and everything in it and the preeminent piece of creation is mankind that tragically rebelled and walked away. To know and be connected with God is to make known in the earth the remedy of rebellion. To walk in the restoring story of God and what he is doing. And the desired result is that others see. This is at, at its heart a missionary psalm. This is a missional song to be sung by a missional people. One that desires the nations, all peoples, to know this good and gracious and blessing God. Friends, New Life Church, we can join in this song. We are missionaries. This is an identity statement of our church, a way we posture ourselves in this world. We are missionaries. God, bless us. Be gracious to us. May it be strikingly obvious that we are in connection with, with you so that others in the earth may know your way. 
that the earth may know your character, may know your goodness and graciousness, your justice and righteousness. The ones who sing this song desire the reputation of God to be known on the earth. And if the knowledge of God is made known through my blessings, what does that demand of me? It demands that I attribute all blessings and graciousness to the giver. It demands that my posture in the world is a posture of a missionary. It requires that I am the same person all the time. There is a big, a big temptation to compartmentalize areas of life. To put different areas of life in different compartments and to have different postures or masks or way of talking for each compartment. I can be churchy Eric on Sunday or churchy Eric at life group. And when someone asks me something, I can say something churchy, something perceived to be religious because that's what you're supposed to do in this compartment. At work, I can be worldly environment Eric. And when someone talks to me, I can respond with worldly ways of talking or try to nod my head along with what is going on to be socially unobtrusive. I can have hobby Eric, golf Eric, family Eric. And you all have a great temptation to do this as well. I know this is not just me. You all play this game. How about you be one person? A broken rebel redeemed by relationship with God, that type of person. How about every bit of life is infiltrated and informed by the good news that God did not leave you to your rebel schemes, but decided to be gracious to you and to bless you and to make his face shine upon you. Then you can be the same person all the time. You can ask God for blessing or provision or help or healing, and when it happens... When God is gracious to you and someone comes up in church, you don't have to say something churchy because you think you're supposed to sound religious. You say, praise God, he's awesome. He provided for me when I had nothing left in the bank. Praise God, he has guided the hands of the doctors and they found the cancer. Praise God, he gave me courage to talk to my friend. You know, the friend I was talking, I was really scared to talk with him. He gave me courage. I told my friend I love him. I told my friend I want him to know about Jesus. Praise God he is remedying my broken character. You can just say, I love my God and I want to sing. You don't need any highfalutin language. You can say, his ways are good ways and I want to sing. And when you show up to work on a Monday morning and someone says, how are you? You can say, not... Just another Monday, or my favorite, I hear this one a lot, living the dream with the biggest scowl you've ever seen. No, you can say, good morning. It's been a hard couple weeks, but you know, God's been gracious to me, and he gave me what I needed. Or you can say, wow, I heard some scripture this weekend, and it changed my posture toward the world. I'm just so glad to be connected to Jesus. Do you want to go to lunch on me? Can we have lunch today? And they may look at you quizzically, but they will also see the ways of God being made known to them, being presented to them, being shown to them. Be the same person all the time, and when God blesses you, He will necessarily show His ways to the people you interact with. 
The psalm continues, your saving power among all nations. God bless us, be gracious to us that your saving power be known among the nations. We see in the beginning of this book, the Torah, the Pentateuch, God flexes his saving power in rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. And the other nations hear about it. The other people on earth hear that Israel's God, Yahweh, is a strong God, more powerful than the puny Egyptian gods. And in their minds, they think perhaps he's the most powerful. God is a saving God, and through the blessing of his people, his saving power is known. Think of Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute who sits in a rebel city, she hears of God's saving power. And she welcomes in the people of God because she wants to be connected to this God. She wants his face to shine upon her. Christian, every one of you is a story of God flexing his saving power. Every one of you is an example of God pouring out grace. Every one of you is a narrative of blessing being bestowed, a rebel being turned, a slave to sin being freed, a relationship with God being forged. Whether dramatic or simple, each is driven by the saving power of the mighty God. The details of your story may differ, but the saving power is in common. As God works in your life, he displays his saving power to those you know. Do not let it be squelched. This is a missional song. This is a missionary psalm. And let the chorus of this song ring out. In verse 3, let the people, peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. May the peoples, those disconnected, those rebels, those lost, may they praise you, O God. May they say your name is great. May their lips be fresh with the songs of salvation. May the songs of praise not be limited to our local gathering. May the accolades to your name not be limited to our life groups. May the honor and the glory and the bending of knees not stop here, but may it go out to the entire earth. Let the peoples praise you. The ancient singers of this song knew the promise, through their offspring all nations will be blessed. So they sing, let the peoples praise you. And we know that God is at work through Jesus, that ultimate offspring, through Jesus to bring every tribe, people, nation, and tongue into his global choir to sing the praises of God. This is a missionary psalm. Lord, bless us in such a way that the peoples praise you. It continues, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the nations be glad. This song requests the blessings of God and the grace of God and the relationship of God and the desired result of that blessing is that the nations be glad. Friends, we desire that the nations sing for joy. We desire that the nations lift their voices and praise the name of Jesus. This world is a broken place, full of broken people, full of broken nations. And yet, if they were to see God at work in his people, God flexing his character and, and the saving power 
they could see a glimpse of who God is. The fact that He is the judge of all people, that His judgment is always with equity, without bias or leaning, always just and equal, never equivocating. God is the one who judges excellently. Even our best, most righteous judges or leaders are but a minuscule approximation of the justice displayed and executed by God, by our God. Oh, what a blessing it would be if the nations had a view of the God who creates and redeems and rules. Oh, what brilliance if those that guide and rule and lead the nations had in view the God who guides the nations. Those leaders are not isolated from him. They are given responsibility by him. We know from Romans and 1 Peter that they are his servants. We know from Scripture that even the king's heart is bent like a waterway in the hands of God who guides all. And when we come up against them in opinion or disagreement, when we don't like what our leaders are saying, we have options. And I submit only one of them is reasonable in the light of our God. We can whine and complain, or we can turn our frustrations to prayer and ask God to bless us and be gracious to us and to shine His face upon us that all nations may see God's saving power. This prayer says, let it come through me. Bless me so people see. Bless me so my leaders see. Be gracious to me so my posture shows the character of the saving God. May people see in my face the light of God. The leaders and all the people, let them see through our posture, in our work, the ways of Yahweh. Friends, let us pray for revival. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit interjects into people and changes their hearts. Let us pray that a wave of understanding and a wave of knowledge of God washes over our city and our state and our nation and our globe. Holy Spirit, give us a yearning for revival and a longing for redemption and regeneration of many. And let it go through us that all nations may see the character and justice of God. That the nations may, by miracle, which is to say, work of God, that they may say the Christians seem to have a bigger picture. They proclaim praise to a powerful God that seems to be bigger than these circumstances, bigger than what I think is most pressing. Christian, to where do your actions point? To what does it signal as your hope? God, let the nations be glad. Let them see how you judge all people. Let them know the one who holds the earth. Let the materialists drop the lie that all is material and ultimately meaningless. Let those who follow puny gods drop their demons for the name of Yahweh. Let them sing with joy in response to the truth that the creator and the sustainer and the guider and the arbiter is a powerful God full of grace and compassion and justice and mercy. Let them see that their judgments pale in comparison to your grand judgments. Let them see that your judgment is never hindered, that your mercy is freely given, that your graciousness is lavishly felt, that your compassion is liberally dispensed. 
and let that be displayed through us. Let that be seen through your people. Bless us so that your character is shown clearly, loudly, freely, unencumbered. Give us grace to suffer well. Give us courage to love well. Give us consistency in the way of God. Bless us to give well. Give us means to be generous. And let our lives be a proclamation of the God who made us his people. Let a revival occur and include us in your working. Friends, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The totality of that truth is in the future when God will reveal himself and righteously judge over all creation. In that day, every knee will bow, willing or not. Every tongue will confess he is Lord, willing or not. As proclaimers of that God and that judge and that king, we do not sit with our arms crossed in defiance of the broken people and broken culture and broken nations around us. Our posture is not one of waiting for the world to receive its due. Our posture is one that sings this missionary song with urgency and longing. Lord, bless us that the nations may sing for joy. We sing as former, former rebels who were rescued, as former enslaved now free from sin, as the broken being restored. Ours is a missionary song for the good of other rebels. We want the nations to be glad. God, bring revival and let it start with us. God, let redemption flow like a mighty river. Let justice flow like mighty waters and may it start with us. Christian, let your prayers not be good riddance. Let your prayers be for revival. Let your prayers be for others to see our God. Let your prayer be, let the truth come into this world and let it come through me. Use me to bless the nations, even my own. We know the ending and we desire that all peoples will one day rejoice in the revealing of the King of justice, the King of glory, the King of all. This is a missionary psalm. We sing and request blessing in order that the nations be glad. The song with the request of blessing continued with the result of blessing and concludes with the extent of blessing to the ends of the earth, starting in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Sing the chorus again. Sing the crux of this song. Let it be known what we want. What do we want? Let the peoples praise you, God. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. This is our song. This is our prayer. That the music rise up from every tongue, from every tribe, from every people, from every nation. Let the peoples praise. Does your heart resonate with that desire? If so, sing along. Does your heart resonate with that longing? If not, then sing it again 
and ask God to make your heart align with the prayer, align with the song. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The song continues, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. This likely points to the time when this song was typically sung. It was probably sung at harvest time, a time when the plants finally give their food, when the fruit can be picked and the wheat harvested, when all that was planted yield, yields what it has grown. And this is a time when it is obvious that God has indeed blessed by allowing the earth to give its increase. There is a cyclical reminder that God indeed has blessed in at least one material sense. It is an indication that God has not left the world to its broken and twisted devices. The creator God is still at work. The sustaining God is still present. The providing God has not left us. God keeps the rain watering the ground and he keeps the seeds sprouting. He keeps the stalks growing and the trees yielding. He has blessed in this sense, and because of that, we can be certain that he will bless us in the future. He shall bless us. Our requests and our prayerful songs are not in vain. They do not fall on tin ears. They are not heard by one who is unable to act or unable to move. Now in our current modern world, we may not live close to the food-yielding land as we used to. We may go to the grocery store the day we plan our dinner. But our very livelihood, whether we see the connection or not, our very livelihood is still dependent on the God who keeps the ground producing, who keeps the animals reproducing, and abundance flowing. God has not stopped His providing work, and that is evidence that He has not stopped His blessing work. And He is a God that desires to bless and be gracious. So it is good and right to ask him for a blessing. It is good and right to ask him to connect with us and ask him to be gracious to us. And every meal is an opportunity to be reminded of that truth. We do not say grace at a meal so that it is appropriately blessed for consumption. We do not make Christian meals with our prayers. We pray as a means of thanking the giver for his wonderful gifts of abundance, for his gifts of food, and aligning our hearts to see it as a blessing, a way to point ourselves in anticipation of future blessing from the God who blesses. It's a way for us to say, God, our God shall bless us. Verse 7 continues this thought. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Friends, you have been blessed, and God shall bless us. And this is a missionary psalm. This is a missionary prayer. This is a missional song. And the great roaring ending sings of the extent of the results of our blessing. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. It is not just my next door neighbor, and that is good enough. It is not just my street or my city, then we can call it a day, enough people have known. Let the name of the Lord be known to the ends of the earth. Let every far-flung ha hamlet inhabited by even a handful of broken rebels see and know the fear of the Lord. Let there be no people who does not know our strong and powerful God. 
Let there be no continent or island where his saving power has not been proclaimed and witnessed. Let there be no border not crossed with the knowledge of our God. Let every tribe and tongue, people and nation hear the character of our God. Let them hear on every corner of the globe his power and majesty. And if through blessing us more people know of your goodness, bless us, God. And if we can, through wealth and abundance, love our neighbors and give cups of water in the name of Jesus, bless us, God. And if we can, through our generosity, make means of proclaiming gospel here and abroad, bless us, God. If we can, with our stories of redemption and recovery, restoration or remedy, allow ourselves to see your saving power, then God be gracious to us. If by connection and relationship with God, all nations will be blessed, make your face shine upon us, O God. Let all the ends of the earth fear God. Elohim, Yahweh, the creating and saving God. Friends, some of us get a little queasy with the word fear. So let me help us lean into it. We get a little squishy when we talk about fearing God. We want to be comfortable with God, friendly with God. We want an approachable God, one we can put in a box. Friends, you do not want a God that you can fully understand and fully comprehend. You do not want a God that is attainable with your understanding. You do not want a God that is small and gentle enough to fit into your categories. You need a God bigger than that. That false God of your imagination is of no consequence. And friends, we don't have a problem fearing. We have a problem fearing the right things. In fact, the last several months have shown us what we tend to give our fear to. Some fear the virus an unknown natural evil, a result of the fall and the curse of the ground. So we set up our lives to avoid and control the variables, to meet our fear with action. Some fear the loss of perceived freedom, the loss of controls or perceived rights. We fear people. We fear someone telling us we can't do something or that our comfortable, familiar way of doing things will be lost. So we act out of fear. Friends, we don't have a problem fearing. We misplace our fear. What does 1 Peter tell us? 1 Peter says, honor the emperor. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor everyone. Only God deserves our fear. One does not stand in front of a great lion and desire to pet it. One does not stand in front of the tidal waves and decide to teach their toddlers how to swim. If you ponder or fathom a bit of his vast greatness, you will quiver. A God so powerful, he created all. Everything that is was made by the word of his power. All that is is sustained by the word of his power. The universe does not keep spinning because it must in its independence. 
It moves because God keeps it so. Entropy has not blasted all to oblivion because God is holding the atoms together. That scope is cosmic. Our God is that big. Do you not fear that greatness? His abilities are unfathomable. His magnitude unmeasurable. His character unblemished. His rule unquestioned. His judgment unthwarted. Our God is that big. Do you not fear him? Are you flippant with that God? The God who created and who can destroy sees you, my friend. The one who judges rightly with no partiality sees you, my friend. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows your deceits. The God who will by no means clear the guilty knows your guilt. He cannot be deceived or hoodwinked. He will not be tricked or mocked. Our God has that knowledge. Do you not fear? How great is our God! He is the God of all justice who can see the good and the bad, the wrong and the right, and weigh them perfectly and decisively, equitably and truly. No rebel in all creation has ever hidden from his glance. No action that screams against his dominion has escaped his oversight. No foul thought has slipped his notice. The one who judges with never a bias or neglect He sees all you do. Do you not fear him? How great is our God? You, you who know the deep crevices of your mind and the work of your hands. Ours is the God who looks at rebels and cries out, I will be just. He looks at you and says, I will be just. Do you not shake? The God of all justice, how great is our God. The God of all justice is the God of all grace. And his grace is monumental. His mercy is unparalleled. And friends, God is the God who looks at rebels and cries out, I will be merciful. God came to us so that in Jesus, in his life and in his death, he could scream to broken humanity while Jesus hung on a cross, I will be just and I will be merciful. Our God is a saving God. His saving power is shocking. His saving power dwarfs us. It consumes us. Does the thought of this God not put fear in your bones? Does it not seize your soul? Friends, do not misplace your fear. There is something great to fear. There is something in which to stand in awe and not even know what to say. And it is not a virus. And it is not loss. And it is not people. It is the powerful God, Yahweh. It is the God, Jesus, who gave his life to buy us justly and mercifully. It is the creator God who has turned his face to shine on us. That's unfathomable. And when that good and godly fear rests in your heart, you have a desire that all the ends of the earth fear him. Let them know the greatness of our God. 
Let them know the stature of our God. Let them know the magnitude of our God. Ours is not a little God. Let the knowledge of his saving power go out so that people hear and know and call on this great God for mercy, lest they be justly crushed by his justice. And let them know through us. That is the prayer. Let them know through us. Let it be through us. Let them hear through us. Let them see through us. Let it be our experience of blessing. Let it be our experience of grace. Let it be our experience of relationship. Let all the ends of the earth fear him because we are blessed by God. That is our song. That is the song of this book. This song continues to be sung and even Jesus recited its refrain before he ascended to sit on a throne. In Acts 1, it says, So when they had come together, the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to rule now? Are you going to make all things right? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, the song continues. The good news of God's saving power was made known in the work of Jesus. And he has blessed us here with the Holy Spirit so that we may be witnesses to God's blessing, witnesses to God's graciousness, witnesses to God's relationship. The story started in Jerusalem and was proclaimed in the surrounding areas and has made its way all the way here to rebel Pacific Northwest. We are part of the ends of the earth. And the song is being sung here. That should encourage you that the extent of the blessing of Psalm 67 is being made known. And it should encourage you to keep singing this song because more friends, more people, more nations, more tongues, more tribes need to fear the Lord. We want them to know our God. If this, if this is your first time that you've heard about this God, this just and merciful God, this God who saves rebels and restores broken people, this God, Jesus, who dies for the guilty and rose again to give life to the shamed. Talk to him. Talk to God right now. That, that's called prayer. It's as simple, it is a simple thing, just like talking. And the words of this psalm could be perfect as a starter for your first words with God. You can just talk, you can just pray, Jesus, be gracious to me. Bless me and make your face shine upon me. If you talk to God today for the first time, and you desire to connect yourself with the name of Jesus, we would love to talk with you. There's a place to click to talk with someone and pray with someone right there on the online platform you're watching from. We would love for you to be connected to our God. He is a good God. Friends, Christians, this morning we have the opportunity to take communion. Communion is yet another blessing, a gift 
Jesus gave us as a means of physically reminding ourselves of what he did for us, the work of his saving power. He gave us the bread and the cup as a way of remembering and experiencing the goodness of his death on our behalf. The bread as his body for us, the cup as his blood for us. And it was given to us as a practice of the church until Jesus returns to make all things new. If you belong to Jesus and hold his death and resurrection as your own, then this portion of the service is for you to participate with us. If you do not yet attach yourself to Jesus, this would be a great time to talk with with him. Pray, talk with him, ask him to help you understand what he did on the cross. It is good news. Please ready your elements as I read from 1 Corinthians and we will take them together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. For the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord, Yahweh, bless us and be gracious to us. Make your face shine upon us. Holy Spirit, give us a posture that takes our blessing and uses it that others may see our God. Use us in our stories, in our generosity, in our relationship with God to make the way of the Lord known to all peoples, in all nations, in all tribes, in all tongues. Give us the heart of a missionary, which is to say, give us the heart of Jesus. Give us a heart that longs for the fear of the Lord to be known to the ends of the earth. Give us a fervency that asks for blessing in order that more may know your saving power. It is in the name of Jesus, whose work we glory in and desire others to see. It is in his name we pray. Amen.